We're going to read from the book of John. We've read from Luke for all of December. And now on Christmas Eve, we'll read from the first chapter of John. Just the first three verses and then verse 14. This is to be found on page 886 if you are not sure where to find John. In the Bible, it's the blue book that's in the pew or chair, 886. So John, recalling the language of Genesis 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And then in verse 14, and the Word, this Word that created all things, the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, pray with me. Lord, we, we want to see more of Christ. We want to see more of his glory. We want to delight in him. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to reveal him to us, Lord, as we explore your word. Oh, bless us and help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, back when it mattered, if a guy was going to walk down the hall of a girl's dorm, you would hear, man on the hall, right? Just to let everybody know, uh, there's a guy in the hall. Now, if you call where we live the hall, okay, Basically, what John is doing in the first chapter is saying, creator on the hall, creator on the hall. First, he talks about how he made all things. And then he talks about how this one who made all things became flesh. And in becoming flesh, you've got a creator on the hall. And we all have to deal with him. Here in this first chapter, it's though John goes back to where creation, Genesis 1 went. Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the world. Well, John, as it were, goes to that fence of creation and looks over it. Okay. What's beyond that beginning of the world where the world was created? And when he looks back there or takes us to look back there, he says, the word was God and the word was with God. He was God and he was also a fellow of God. He was God and he had fellowship with God. But nothing tells you or nothing underscores one's godness like creation. And so John immediately goes to that here. He says, Everything was made through him. You think of 
every single thing made in those six days of creation, any part of ocean, land, sky, or universe, everything was made through him. And then he makes the point, apart from him, nothing came into being that has ever, ever come into being. So where the first phrase points to the original creation, he made everything, this, create, this, this phrase takes us to look at everything that's ever been made in the whole world. And he said, all that you see, all that you know has been here all this time, nothing came here except that he made it. That's the point he's making. Now, as I say in parenthesis here, let's narrow that down just a little bit. When I praise God, I generally start with creation. And many times I isolate something so I can really focus on it, like the oceans or bears or trees or the sky and just focus on everything that I can think of that God has made there and praise him for it and and delight in him and just enjoy him. Be amazed at him for what he's done. But you can take it to this point of just the color blue. Now, kids, what do you think of, and you have to maybe shout it out, what do you think of when you hear the color blue? That's in the world, huh? Anybody? I can't hear you. Sky, good. One brave soul, huh? Water, yes, sky, water. What about an animal? Dolphin. What kind of whale? Blue whale, all right. There's also a shark. Guess what color one of them is? Blue, right. There's a lobster. Guess what color? There's a blue lobster and a blue clam and a blue oyster and a blue starfish and a blue seahorse. Okay? A lot of blue things. In fact, if you name gemstones, you probably would think of sapphire, most of us, right? But here's a little list, and this isn't exhaustive. Uh, Appetite, spelled differently, okay? Aquamarine, adventurine, azurite, borrowing from the Latin word for blue. Also, chalcedony, citrine, demortorite, heliodor, hemimorphite, that's a good one, indicolite, indiaite, Iolite, I'm sorry. Kyanite, that's the Greek word for blue. Then lapis lazuli, laramore, lazarite, ricturite, sodalite, tanzanite, topaz, tourmaline, turquoise, zircon. Just think, that's not all of them, but God thought of all of those things. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, thought of all those stones, just those for blue. And they're green ones, and then they're red ones, and then they're yellow ones. And he thought of all those and made everyone and knew how to make them, knew how to make them so that they would be each of those colors. There's nothing that has been made that he hasn't made it. Or let's move to the category of living things for $200. 
right? <clears throat> Say herbs and flowers. Now, you ladies could really rip off some of these, right? But common ones, bluebell, blueberry, blue bonnet, blue curls, blue grass, blue iris, blue orchid, blue poppies, blue stem, blue weed, then more exotic delphinium, muscari, blue magic, forget me not, myosoti. Mm-hmm. Hyacinth, hydrangea, morning glory, candle lockspur. That's just some of them. And of course, if you named other colors, you would have other flowers. Then just birds besides the bluebird, right? Blue finch, blue grosbeak, blue grouse, blue footed booby. He's one of our favorites. Blue heron, a blue jay, but there's also a Florida scrub jay and a Mexican jay and several other jays that each one of them looks different. There's a blue starling and a blue gray tanager. There's a desert cardinal that has more blue than he has cardinal. Interesting. It's beautiful. The Himalayan blue tail and the honey creeper and the hyacinth macaw, the indigo bunting, the kingfisher, the peregrine falcon, and the Victoria crowned pigeon. And then among bugs, there's blue scorpion and there's the Miami blue butterfly and the blue damselfly. There's a sapphire ornamental tree spider. He's beautiful, but he's pretty creepy. And there's also a cobalt blue tarantula that's really creepy and there's a beautiful blue Christmas tree worm yes he looks like a little blue Christmas tree and he's a worm there's nothing that has been made that he didn't make it and of course blue poison dart frogs And the many things we named already, blue crab and lobster. There's also this Valela jellyfish that glows blue and it washes up on the California coast. I'd love to see that. But that's just one color. (laughs) He's made all things and there's nothing that has been made that he hasn't made. And then when you get to this phrase that nothing has come into being, it also means that he keeps everything alive and together. He owns everything and he governs everything. No part of creation exists apart from him. So all of those little blue things that we named, he's keeping them alive or holding them together Right now. That's who he is. It says in Colossians, not only all things were created through him, referring to the son of God, but in him all things hold together. Or as Hebrews says, speaking of the son of God, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so... It goes without saying that no power can stand against him or thwart him when every atom of the universe depends on him for its existence right now, including the pews you sit on. We might say, say, say to a friend who seems to be losing it, now hold it together, just, just hold it together. Talk about holding it together. This is what God does every second, holding it all together. 
He's, he's, he's never inactive in that regard, right? He's never doing nothing. He's always doing everything for the universe to hold it together. All structures in the universe, from protons to Pluto, from black bears to black holes, from hickories to the Himalayas, every single particle continues to exist and to be what it's made to be only because he presently, right now, is holding it together. Apart from him, nothing has come into being or has any being. So... Creator. He makes that point. He underscores that in John chapter 1. But then he gets down to verse 14 and says, This word, this majestic word, who is God, became flesh. And it's really calculated to take our breath away. It's really calculated for, to, to make us just stop and say, what in the world could you be telling me? That this one who holds the world together became flesh? How in the world can the creator somehow become a part of creation? How could God become God-man? How can he who made us now dwell among us as a human being? Creator on the hall. (laughs) Creator on the hall. And if the creator's on the hall, you get ready to see some glory. And that's the first thing out of John's mouth, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. That's to be expected. When the majestic, glorious God who has made all things appears in the flesh. And the whole book of John is his effort to unveil that glory before our eyes as he describes it. After describing the first miracle of Cana where Jesus turned the water to wine, it says this was the beginning of his signs and he manifested his glory. And when his glory broke forth in John 5 when he healed a lame man and in John 6 when he fed 5,000 and John 9 when he healed a blind man and John 11 when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He has all power. He can do all things. He's worthy of the name Savior. He has real power to do some real saving and he can save us spiritually just as surely as he saved these people physically. He can set us free from our bondage to sin and it's cursed just as he set them free from lameness and hunger and blindness and death. Creator on the hall. Of course, his glory shone brightest in his death. Jesus himself said, this is the hour in which I'm glorified. Of all those things that he did, and not exactly this, but almost as though, uh, yeah, this has been glory, but, but, but now, now is the time I'm glorified. What magnificent love and humility is manifested 
the creator of all things, the one who is before the world, now lays down his life to save the creatures who had rebelled against him, whose life he held in his hands. And he could have just dissolved them like that, turned them into dust in judgment. But no, he comes and takes upon himself flesh and dies in their place. Bears their own sin, takes their punishment. What compassion, what glory. And you know, Jesus didn't say, I have come to seek and condemn that which is lost. He says, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. Suppose an old, magnificent downtown theater has been unoccupied for decades and it's just about to fall down and the city's condemned it and it's scheduled for demolition this Thursday. But a man comes forward and he wants to buy the building. City tells him, no, the building's going to be torn down. He says, no, I'm going to buy this building and I'm going to restore it. I've got engineer's report right here. I c- it can be done. It will be done. They say, but it would cost way more than the building is worth for you to do this. That's just crazy. Why don't you do I'm going to save the building and the cost doesn't matter. And that's what we're looking at here, right? The story of Christ's birth. He's not the city condemning the building. He's not the demolition crew come to knock it down. He's come to rescue you. He's come to reconcile you to God. He's come to restore you. He's come to make you whole. He's come to make you like himself, to set you on a path of joyful love and likeness to God. This is the glory of his love bursting into our world and into our lives. So the word became flesh and lived among us and we beheld his glory. And I just want to ask you, of course, of all times, Christmas, Christmas Eve, do you see his glory? Are you amazed that it is God who's come to be among us? Or have you basically ignored him up to now? I tell you one of the most precious phone calls I ever got in my life was from my father. This was just a few years before he died. And my father... uh, was in church his whole life. He sang in the choir, as I did when I was there. Um, But I was really unsure about his spiritual life. And my father began teaching Sunday school. And he would ask me questions here and there. And he was teaching the book of John, or about to teach the book of John. He'd been teaching other things, and we had discussed it. But he called me one night and, and he was just trembling and he said, here's, here's my father in his 70s. And he said, Darwin, I just realized 
that Jesus was God come to earth. I never realized that. I think it was maybe the moment where he was converted. Where he saw that it was God. I've said this to you before, but I have, I don't know why, we've gotten at least four visits from Jehovah's Witness at my house. We have fun talks together, of course. And if, I think most of you are familiar with Jehovah's Witness, but they believe that God is not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's just the Father. And that they that God made Jesus. He's part of creation. And then Jesus came down to do all that he did on earth. They emphatically deny that Jesus is God. And... What I say to them each time is this. I say, this is why I hate what you teach so much and why I oppose so strongly what you do. You believe that God made a being and sent that being to earth to die on a cross. You believe that God made something to go do his dirty work. But the Bible teaches that God himself came in the flesh to die for sin. He didn't send someone to do that. He came himself to do it in the flesh. Creator on the hall. Everything in your life and your whole future here in Judgment Day and beyond, all of it depends upon your response to this God of glorious power and glorious love who has become flesh for sinners. And because he is God, this Lord Jesus Christ, as John Frame has said, is present everywhere and to everyone. He's unavoidable. He's closer to us than anyone else. We cannot escape from him. He is the one with whom you have most to do if you're a human being. That's what Christmas places before you. God in a manger. Creator on the hall. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we honor you. We praise you. We exalt you that you would give your son for us. We praise you, O son of God, maker of all things, that you as creator of the world would yet come into this world to live a perfect human life to die in our place, to be raised from the dead, and then, Lord, to call us to yourself, to bring us into the presence of God because you have taken away our sin. And as we trust in you, we can know forgiveness. We can be accepted before the Father. We can have his favor from now throughout the whole of our lives. And we become heirs with Christ to reign with him in the new creation. Lord, how could you do all of this for sinners who had rejected you and hated you? We, we praise you. We adore you. We ask that you would enlarge our hearts, that we might see your beauty 
and be in awe of you and give our lives up to you. Gracious, gracious Lord. Amen.